Hi and welcome to Making Sense of It with me, Emma Kenny. And Pete Smith. So, this is our first podcast. And YouTube video. It's like a majorly exciting, momentous occasion. Yeah, you'll have to uh, make sure that <laughs> hope there have been no mistakes. <laughs> Several angles. Doubtful. <laughs> anyway, we wanted to talk today about the whole premise of what Making Sense of It is going to be about, which is just that. Life, love. People. People. Humans. Everything in between. We've been being asked quite a lot of questions on Twitter because I work quite a lot in the media and a lot of young people get in touch with me. And I was talking on a podcast the other day to Drew Geordie who very kindly had me on and I realised that a lot of people just don't talk about what needs to be talked about. Mm. So today we thought we'd talk about all the things that we wish people had talked about to us whilst we were younger. And obviously, until we get followers, it's just going to be me and him. <laughs> You're like, who's he? Who's he? <laughs> and then when we do, hopefully we'll have some interesting guests on. Because I want to make sure that if we're going to cover these issues, that we get the right kind of guests who are really open. Yeah. We don't want anybody hiding behind their celebrity status and not talking about the nitty gritty of life. All right. If anybody can get anybody to open up about anything, that's you as well, isn't it? So. That's the torture. <laughs> it's the torture. When you learn to do good techniques, it's amazing what you can get out of people very, very quickly. So, Pete, tell me a little bit about some of the things that you wish people had talked to you about when you were growing up. Oh. <clears throat> Not just parents, but people. Just people, just life. Oh, my gosh, there's so many. Starting, well, the sex thing for one. I always knew about sex, you know, from <laughs> <coughs> from finding porno <coughs> mags and hiding them in the next door. What was that about? Garden. You used to go down the woods and there'd be like porno mags there. I don't know. Well, we used to play, used to play like behind the house on a thing called the common. Yeah. So it was just this, this, this sort of stick of the dump esque sort of <laughs> weird, like so many sort of so many dens made and stuff. But then every now and then you'd find boxes of porno mags. So that happened in every area. Like in my area, it was the same. I used to same person. <laughs> Just going back to the person just dropping off. Ooh, I wonder what this one's like today. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, bizarrely, we, we, we always stashed them in, um, I can't remember the name, we lived next door to us, an older lady, always old people in the next door who were younger, um, but elderly, by herself, Mrs. Granville, or some, something like that, or Mrs. Cabbage, or something. Mrs. Yes, Cabbage? Yeah, Gribbage or Cabbage. She's over the edge of uh, 17. We'd, 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 Mrs. We'd, Cabbage. We, 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 we stashed them at the back of her garden in her peas. <laughs> I'm talking, I was only like, you know, I was six, seven, eight years old out playing and finding them. I can remember looking in like my mum's grassing catalogue and seeing the women in their bras and knickers and just kind of thinking it was a bit naughty because sometimes you get the see-through Do you get bras. that anymore? Grattan catalogue. Oh, or you get Little Woods catalogue. I know a Grattan catalogue, but they used, to, they used to be able to see like the, the nipples and the pubes. <laughs> and like, you'd go through and you'd be like, did it do that anymore? I didn't know used did to, and that was what I remember. I know, there was pages and pages of them, you know. I used to look at them and think, when will I be like that, you know? Because I wasn't exactly an early developer, I was quite a light developer, so I didn't kind of have any association with what looked like those amazing bodies. Because obviously, mm. as a child, that's your first interaction with anything less than clothed. Yeah. Well, you say you're a late developer. I, I panicked when someone told me what pubes were. <laughs> How old was I? 
13, 14. Somebody that's told so me far, that's that all... pubes were called herdwicks, and apparently that's a sheep. <laughs> herdwicks? It's a good job I didn't go around saying that to people. I've got some itchy herdwicks this week. <laughs> like, yeah, you have a flock? Yes, I have a flock of herdwicks. Herdwicks? <laughs> I think it's so. If nobody's telling you that pubes aren't called herdwicks. Who told you they were called, called herdwicks? The first I time you told me this. I've never, I've never told, you've never told me that you used to think pubes you just, are called Herdwicks. Not an intro that you usually come along to. Hey, look at my Herdwicks. <laughs> Want to find out about my Herdwicks? All right, do you shave your Herdwicks? <laughs> oh, God. You can imagine how confused it would be if somebody said that they had a Herdwick jumper. <laughs> 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 so yeah. they are sheep or the Herdwick sheep? Apparently. I don't think somebody else would have lied to me about that. It might be a, don't know, a Herdwick. sport. It's a good word, Herdwick. <laughs> If we should change the podcast. What's a herdwicks? Herdwicks and other stuff. <laughs> Making sense of herdwicks. Making sense of herdwicks. That's the thing though, right? When you're growing up, you rely on your mates most of the time to tell you the truth about what they're up to, but often they're lying. And then these days you rely on porn, so you go online and kind of look online for porn. And then you see a whole different set of values that are portrayed and make you feel even more concerned about what you're meant to be doing and how you're meant to be doing it. Mm. And when I was a kid growing up, I can absolutely remember the day that we had the period talk. Now, the period talk was defined, and anybody who's listening to this who's female probably will have been through this. You literally get some woman come in, stand at the front of the class. Back in my day, they weren't even like cool youth workers. You know, they've kind of updated it, haven't they, these days? And you get like cool youth workers going in with tattoos and stuff, talking about it. But in my day, it was a bit like the knit woman, the knit nurse. Had right. just been told did, you have a, did you have a video? Because it was, it, was it was in juniors, wasn't it? We actually didn't have that video. I've heard about that video. But no, we just had a woman. She came in and I kid you not, she got a Tampax out and she put it in a plate of water and said, that's what happens. Very confusing because for a start, that's not what happens in a period. There is no plate of water at all. So that was confusing in itself. Sorry, one second. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've got a GoPro on the bit there. Oh, the SD card's full on that, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. That was one of the things. So she did that. And then I had no questions to ask because obviously I was just like, what, what is this woman talking about? I don't even want to think about that happening. I don't even mm. want to think about what period is. And I walked home and I remember Tim Hartley, one of the lads that I kind of hung out with, um, and Jason stopped shouting, Dr. White's all the way home after Dr. me. Dr. White's. Yeah, Dr. White's. I, I used to go to a school called Bankfields in the northeast. Uh, it was a good school. It was it was an eye opener because you're growing up, aren't you? You go to junior school. It's not infants anymore. And is that I, the one where everybody was like having sex at twelve? No, there, there was there was a lot of snogging going on. You told me that like the year twelve, like the twelve year olds were going out with fifteen year olds, and they were all having sex really early. And thirteen? No, when you got to senior school, all the thirteen and fourteen year olds were going out with. You 15, said that you used to play like chicken with girls, yeah, and you'd yeah. be putting your hand up the skirt, which I think is a hashtag Me Too campaign. Absolutely, these <laughs> days, but back in the day, seems <laughs> to be a game that girls wanted to play. 
I just, yeah, I do recall that happening quite a few times, yeah. I recall various exploration <laughs> games happening, you know. But, you no, know, the girls, when, we, when I went to senior school, the girls did seem to go out with the older lads and the girls did seem to be a little bit more advanced than, you know, you get to like first year senior as it was called then, the second year, it's year seven now, isn't it? Yeah. And second year senior, by third year senior, you know, all the girls have like, you know, they've, they've come through into puberty and they're going out with the fifth years, you know, and obviously having sex, some of them pregnant. I remember some of the girls getting pregnant in third year and going into, just in fourth year when I, before I left that school. Mm. But going back to primary school, I remember the, kid, the girls going into the hall for that talk. Mm. But before that, I used to go to a real old, ex, it was a, a, a school called California School in Eston in Middlesbrough. So she let down. Well, yeah, you know, but it was, there's, there's a lot of history, yeah, lo loads of history behind it. People who, if, if, if people see this and, and they hear me talk about it, they'll know exactly what I mean when, when I say California School. And uh, it got knocked down, but it was an old wartime school. It was from the, you know, from the war and stuff. Obviously, it's a wartime school. And uh, they um, showed us, I remember getting taken into, when they used to wheel the TVs in on those big yeah. TV things, you know. And you'd have the beep, 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 yeah. beep, you know, like Pebble Mill style thing. But the, I remember they'd take us <coughs> over there and they showed us this video. And I don't know if they still do it these days, I don't know. Maybe they can, they can help us out and let us know. But yeah. Uh, it was a video, it was like a foreign video of a family who were naked uh -huh. running around on a beach playing frisbee. Seems and it'd cut away every now and then and tell you about, you know, what body testicles part? and bollocks and boobs and vaginas and, you know, and the difference in ages going from kids all the way up to adults, you know. But then they still keep cutting away to these bizarre exhibitionists running about on us. I mean, do you know, that, frisbee and like, hey! That sums I was, up... I was, I was an infant. That sums up why people are so screwed up over sex. I mean, who in the right mind thinks that the way to make sex feel less humiliating and the body feel less scary is to put basically a group of naturists running around on a beach and closing up on the genitals and going, yeah, kids, this is perfectly normal. Who, in That's any situation, bar if you live in Germany and were dragged into a naked sauna by the Germans I was staying with as a child, which introduced me to those kind of bodies, and apparently it is quite common, let's say, on a European level, for people to be naked. But in the bloody UK, in the UK, none of those kids in that class would ever have had anything similar. Similar. I mean, for a start, I hadn't even been on a beach when I was at primary school. You know, what was a beach? Let alone naked on a beach. You've never been on a beach? No, no, I didn't go to... Well, I mean, Morecambe. I suppose Morecambe's got a beach, hasn't it? But I'd never been on a... Morecambe's like a really... It's like a... It's massive. It, it's I, a massive look, beach. my childhood was in the Lake District, so I got a free holiday because my uncle had a place there. We didn't have any money. But... I didn't really have any the money, beach but I lived, was I lived in so I was near. There's a lot of people die in quicksand in that area. So... I didn't get to like have frivolous play on the beach as such jobs such as running around naked with my family. No, that never happened. It'd have been cold. It would have required a warmer climate. But that whole thing about when I was growing up, sex and relationships, it was just taboo. Mm. I, I can remember absolutely vividly me coming home from that talk and that mum going, did you have that talk today? And me going, yeah. And she said, have you got any questions? And I went, no. And she's like, right. That was it. I can remember coming on my periods when I was 13 years old and I was absolutely celebrating, 
you know, I went to the toilets in my old school and there it was, bloody my knickers, and I felt like I had won the bloody lottery. And I can remember Catherine Anker's a girl I didn't really hang out with, walking in and I just ran out and went, I've started my periods like that. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I've already started mine. And I was like, whatever, I've started mine now. And I remember going and seeing a teacher and saying, could I get a towel or whatever? And this is how rarely the machine in that toilet must have been used, because I kid you not, when it came out, it was the size of a nappy and it had a belt. It had, it had a, a belt with it. It had a belt. I think that machine had dated from around 1905 and I was the only person who'd ever used it. So obviously that didn't happen. I didn't even know how to put it on. Honestly, it was like some kind of elaborate. So, swing. in the in the boys in the boys' school, did they did they have like Geronimo's popping out the condom machine? I don't machine? bloody know. They, have, they would have had condom machines in the kids' bedroom. Not to do it, would they? Probably would not. Mm. But the point was that was my first encounter. So then I go home. Obviously, it's the best day of my life because now I'm a woman. So you know that's obviously how I felt. And I get back and I walk in and I'm like, I started my periods, mum. And she was just like, Oh, okay then. We didn't have a conversation about what am I actually going to do with the fact that I'm bleeding. There was no, mm. this is what you need. It was just kind of like, off you go. And I went to my best mate, Pam's, and I was like, Pam, I've come on period, I don't know what to do. And she said, oh, you can use these. And she gave me one of her Tampax. Well, that was a palaver. <laughs> it was a palaver. You put your leg up on the toilet, that's what the instructions say, and then you put it in but I didn't know you had to insert it halfway. So I was just trying to pop it in, it just kept falling out. It took me about a year before I realised. What was the same one? <laughs> it's had a long time. It's got embarrassing for everybody in the end. Yeah. But genuinely, because I've never read instructions, you'll know that about me, your mum, Absolutely. My partner. She doesn't read instructions. I don't believe in reading instructions. If I can't do it simply, then I don't want to know. I was like that with Tampax. It was only when I finally, a year later, read the instructions, which indicated that I needed to do that, that I did it. But so was my experience of periods. And masturbation. Masturbation. My mother walked in when I was masturbating. I didn't know I was masturbating. Who knows that they're masturbating? When you were a kid, you just know it feels good, right? Mm -hmm. It was feeling good. I was nine. I love my mum to pieces. She's ace. She said, don't do that, you'll damage yourself. And I believe Well, you must have been with a hammer. Like. <laughs> it's a very Stop sharp that. Yeah. Yeah. Stop, put that sender down. You'll hurt yourself. Could have been the reason. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about masturbation. But the point is that really damaged me. It just happened. Me. It damaged me. I was 14, and then when I was 14, for younger viewers and listeners, you genuinely won't remember this, but there was a magazine called Just 17. It was a saviour. One of the reasons why I'm so glad I'm a writer for Close to Magazine, I do the life column, is because I can educate people about not having shame around things like sex. But when I read this magazine, it said this 14-year-old girl had got in touch and said, listen, I get a headache when I masturbate. And then she described what masturbation was in the reply to her. And she reassured this girl that sometimes the stress of masturbation can bring on a rush of blood, which can give you a headache. And then it was perfectly normal. All the five years of my life I hadn't masturbated for. Five years, thanks very much, mum. My God, I made up for it after that. But the point <laughs> was, that's what I'm saying about what do you want to hear about what you wish people had said to you as a kid? Because actually that piece mm. of advice changed my life and made me feel okay about it. I mean, yeah, I, I like to say my, my parents are fantastic parents, but I never 
Never was. We all do this. Never. My parents are fantastic parents. The way they really screwed us up. We just want to get it in that we do love our parents. Yeah. Disclaimer, they're good people. But they did essentially mess with our 60s and 70s parents. parents it was all right to do really stupid things with kids in those eras. <laughs> I, did, I just didn't, I didn't have anything. Nothing, nothing was told. No. I remember, you know, I was always into girls, you know, but it was just the kissing side mm. of things. So you just... You don't realise, you know, the, what the feelings are. Well, I didn't. I didn't. And, uh, and, um, sorry about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know what, what the feelings were. You know, and it all happened for me when I was running home from a, a girl I was seeing. I was running home and things started happening in my pants. <laughs> uh, you know, and then I thought I'd piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, I thought, I thought I'd piss myself. You know, laying it all out now. The most pleasant um, wee you'd ever had. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> How do I do that again? And then, uh, it just started, it's, you know, and then, then you'd go to sleep and it'd happen when you were asleep and then all of a sudden you start figuring out that this is something which is mega. And then I already knew girls were mega. You know, and I was like, yeah, girls are brilliant, you know, from about the age of three. I was just like, you know, girls, yeah, girls. Um, I was called. I was never told, I was never told anything. I never had any talks, no sex no. talks, nothing. That's why, you know, I ended up not knowing about pubes until I was 13 or 14 and, you know, the hard, what were they called? Hardwicks? Herdwicks. Herdwicks. <laughs> I wish that some adults had just sat with me and just been like, listen, sex is fine. You'll have it when you want it. Don't have it before. Don't feel any pressure. If you're not frigid, I got called frigid quite a lot because I didn't have sex till relatively older. But I really didn't care. I was quite proud of that. It's quite funny, the frigid thing though, isn't it? It's like... Well, what's the, what's the, what's the, you know, you're, you're a kid growing up. I what's... didn't really have an issue. I didn't care what people called me, but I kind of felt like when I was called frigid, it kind of meant controlled. I was quite controlled. But, yeah, but what's, actually... What, what's the difference between you've got frigid and then what's the middle ground and then you've got slut. slag or slut, yeah. That's... That was the thing. That used to really upset me. Because I, I had that. quite a few friends who used to get called slags and sluts. We were the girls who went to the grammar school. So you kind of already had this reputation and then if people dared to do anything like enjoy their bodies, they get really slagged off. And like as a woman, I find it really, really difficult that anybody uses the language slag to describe a girl. Because I think it's brilliant when girls enjoy sex. I also really worry about the kind of way that we talk about young people and sex. Like it is illegal to have sex if you're under 16 years of age. And that actually means that if a guy and a girl are having sex at like 14 and 15, that he can be done for statutory rape. Mm. That's a big deal. And it's crazy, isn't it? Because at 14 and 15, the guy isn't raping her and she is not feeling raped by that guy unless there is any pressure or coercion or attack. But to some degree, the fact that we actually make it so serious that you cannot have sex and if you have sex, it's illegal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That automatically says, it's bad. Yeah. And then we expect at 16 years of age, after years of telling young people that this is bad, it's illegal, it's damaging, it's got potential to harm you, that suddenly they're going to transition at 16 into these young people going, ah, oh, sex is fine, sex is great, sex is fun, sex is play. Yeah, there's no sort of... Um, it makes sense, does it? No, I mean, we were still, when we were working, working at the Manchester College, we were still doing sex education then, you know, it was, uh, as you've... You know, you, you do tutorials mm. with them and you go in and you start at the beginning and go through, you know, all the way through to STIs, you know, and some of the young people, you know, just didn't 
they thought they knew, but oh, yeah. they just had no, no idea, idea at at all yeah. how to you know even approach having sex in 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 a norm, not I wouldn't say a normal way, but in any way. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, I know you chatted, um, you've, you've discussed on sort of Russell Brand's Under the Skin podcast and the True Geordies podcast, the the, the, the porn and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, we won't, no point in covering it again, but it's, it's, it is, you know, that it was just mags when we were a kid and now you say no, like these, yeah, and, uh, you know, it? and it's, there's a whole yeah. new sort of wave getting together and stuff these days. Oh my God, is... I would be so crap. See, I would have got into so much trouble when I was younger. <laughs> if I had had access, like, so mm. what I was saying a minute ago about the legalities, obviously the legalities of young people being told they can't have sex till 16 is to protect them, right? Absolutely. It's to protect them from predators. It's so that we know that young people who get coerced into having relationships with people who are older are protected. But at the same time, we should be having conversations with them that help them engage that if they're having consensual sex with people of their age frame at a reasonable teenage age, that they shouldn't feel shame for that and they should be able to talk openly about it. So that's where I think they need protecting as well to make them feel less shameful. Yeah, yeah. But we have to do something about altering the way that we explore sex per se, because what you just said is true. Porn, as much as we don't need to necessarily go to the dynamics of porn, it teaches you stuff that you want to know because nobody is talking about it openly but then it changes the identity that you have with the sex and what goes on in sex and makes you think about predilections that you wouldn't necessarily been introduced to and that alters the dynamics of the relationships that you have it also makes you feel like everyone's having sex because it's just how many videos are actually when yeah. I go on porn and look I'm like bloody hell how many people are actually uploading to porn sites because it's just endless I mean yeah. there are a lot of people uploading their sex lives even like new ones where there are like YouTube channels and things like that dedicated to people like you and me who are just like fuck it we'll just have sex with each other and make money yeah, yeah and that's what yeah. they do and like all oh, power to them whatever floats your boat but the commercialization of sex has become more and more prevalent in our society but what I really think it's skewed is accessibility. Yes. You know, accessibility. So even when you think about Tinder and Grindr, and again, I'm not going to say anything negative about those because whatever connects you and sex is fab. And even if it's a one night stand, as long as you're both happy doing it, nice to unpower to you. But if I was like 22, I'm close to that age, obviously, but not quite 22 anymore. If I was 22 and I was single, and I had a smartphone, I am not sure that I would not have been in serious trouble. Yeah, I would have been. <clears throat> the idea that I could just like hook up with somebody, mm. just swipe right or whatever it is, and then say I'm ready for a hookup. You know when you're having those days where you feel a little bit unattractive, yeah, you feel a yeah. bit bored, that titillation and instant gratification would be so easy to give into. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? And it's the same with when we were kids. Like, if we'd had smartphones, you know, that whole don't sext each other. Yeah. I cannot tell you how ridiculous it sounds when we're advising kids not to do it when I know I'm dealing with friends of mine in their 30s who are doing it. Mm -hmm. So people don't have self-regulation. It's like, send me a picture of your cock. Okay. Do you know? And that's fine in a loving and caring relationship where you feel that there's some kind of connection you're not going to go and yeah, spread yeah. it around. Yeah. But actually, it can be so harmful. Yeah. It's so harmful. And who's saying that? Do you find it's, it's, it's more harmful for the, for the girls or if they're... It shouldn't I mean, be more harmful it's, for the it's, girls. It shouldn't be, but 
let's put this out there. So let's say like a man gets a, a picture, sends a picture of his dick, and then she shares it. You know, it's only going to be. I don't know. Is it going to be just? Is it? Is it just going to be sort of embarrassing for him if he's got a small dick? Or yeah, if he gets a big one, is he like, happy. hey, yeah, that's oh, right. Answers on a postcard. Yeah, what yeah, you think yeah. Of that? Yeah, there you go. I'm proud of that. Yeah, Viking. I, I think that it's a trust thing, isn't it? As well, I think that is one of the gender differences, isn't it? That women almost get away with doing that thing about sharing and laughing because it's mm. not predatory. It's not considered predatory. Actually, it's quite hurtful. It's quite harmful. Yeah. And assuming that a man enjoys that is something yeah. that probably isn't correct all the time. With women, the problem you've got is that they get slut-shamed a great deal. And it's ridiculous. That's what I was... That's the key, isn't it, though? Again, this is what really pisses me off about our double standards in our society. Because women have a right to be as open and honest and transparent and authentic about what they want sexually and whoever they want to share that with as long as they're consenting. To have any associations that are negative because of that action really blows my mind. Because as a woman, I am somebody who was really, really closed sexually when I was younger. There were lots of reasons for that, but I just genuinely didn't feel like I wanted to have sex. When I even came close to having sex, I really struggled with all of that. And even when I was in my first marriage, I genuinely just didn't really like sex. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. I felt like it was awkward. I definitely didn't get any satisfaction. I never had an orgasm once. They were just all fake orgasms. And it was only when I separated from my husband and I decided to kind of open myself as an adult to a more sexually liberated experience safely mm -hmm. that I really started to connect with my body and to explore my body. And then meeting you, obviously, you are fabulous in bed and we share our fantasies without a problem <laughs> and it's been amazing uh, and all of the things that didn't work yeah, now work. I get it, I get it. And that comes from a big process. But when I was a young person, nobody was talking to me about the fact that all of those insecurities about my body, all of my past history, would, could possibly have an impact on my sex life. So I did what everybody did as a young person. I went around going like, yeah, sex is great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, of course I orgasm. I was never telling the truth. And I look back and know now that most of my friends weren't telling the truth either. Mm. We were all having really shit sex. We were all having basically boring sex or we were all afraid to ask what we wanted sex. So to some degree, that's one of the powerful things about just having these kind of conversations because any young person listening can kind of hear that what I'm saying is when I was a kid, I felt so screwed up by everybody else's opinions about what I was meant to be thinking and feeling. But actually, the truth was that that's because everybody else was pretty much feeling exactly the same. So instead of us just telling lies to each other and constantly pretending like our life is great in any way, shape or form, we should actually be saying truthfully what's going on because then everybody else can join in and be like, hey, we don't know what we're doing either. And then all of a sudden, you're not worried anymore. You know, I love the fact in my life now that I just acknowledge I have not got a clue. I joke with people when they ask me about what I do and I say I haven't decided what I want to be when I grow up yet. But that's the real truth because genuinely, and this is delusional, just going to put that out there now, this is completely delusional what I'm saying. So <laughs> obviously I'm a professional so I'm not necessarily delusional all the time but I know this is delusional what I'm going to say. But sometimes I think I'll probably be a rock star. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sometimes <clears throat> I will have a fleeting moment where I'll be like, I'll do that. Good you, are, you, you are a good singer. No, but good, I'm never going to be a rock star. She's, but a good, she's a good singer. Then, 
we went and watched 42nd Street, bargain, tickets, paid full, like 15 quid, 17, including the booking fee. Got upgraded when we got there to the stores, like a hundred quid ticket. I felt like a millionaire, it was amazing. But we were there, massive tap dance, the next extravaganza. It was incredible, go and see it, no matter how old you are. I've never been into musicals, but I could see that every single day of the week, it's amazing. And halfway through, I thought, I think I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna become a tap dancer. <laughs> so like, I do have those ridiculous thoughts. But I think that's what makes life an adventure, that you don't have to define it. You know, secretly in my head, there's a bit of me going, of course you're gonna be a rock star, and you should definitely take up tap dance. Maybe you should start- When you say rock star, you mean like full kiss style, like, like. <laughs> not, not suggesting necessarily <laughs> a kiss, maybe pink style. Yeah, not, rock star? She's a bit rocky. Rocky, rocky, yeah. Pop star. I don't know why you're worried about defining me because it's never going to happen. It's not like we have to make a decision now. Oh, I hang mean, on a minute. I mean, no. Let's, we'll just go for folk. Let's go for folk. Oh, for what? Folk. Folk. <laughs> folk. 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 It looks like it says folk, but it's folk, so... Oh, you always get me on that one. Anyway, whatever it is, that's what I think. And now I think I'm going to be a tap dancer. And that's still with me. I'm part of me. It's like, yeah, I can be an old tap dancer. It'll be fine. I'll be the best old tap dancer that there is. So I do go through life with those feelings. I don't know whether that's just genuine optimism or that's what makes me quite creative. Because I genuinely think I can do it all. <laughs> and I'm really bad at a lot of stuff. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I am. She's, yeah, you say you're bad at a lot of stuff. I am terrible at a lot of stuff. My son came home with his chemistry homework last night and I wanted to cry halfway through it because I realised not only did I not understand any of it, that he did understand it and seemed with ease to be able to go ahead and do it. Yeah. That worries me deeply that I have no ability in so many areas. But when it comes down to what I want to do in life and what I want to be, I'm just like, yeah. I'll just do and be whatever I want to be. But that comes down from years and years of having to kind of fail and learn and all of that. But going back to that whole thing as a young person, all I was told as a kid was that I was going to fail. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I was just told I was going to fail. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? It is. Get, well, in failing in everything. Yeah, I was told that I should go and be a... Well, no, I wouldn't say fail in everything. So I went to grammar school, didn't I? where everybody was going to be lawyers and doctors mm, yeah, and yeah, yeah. everyone was just going to really succeed. And my teacher told me I should go and work as a tour guide in Granada Studios. Mm. used to open Coronation Street up to the public. She thought I'd do well there. So basically that was the level that they assumed that I would achieve. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that achievement, but probably not where you were aiming for as a grammar school when everybody else was off to university to become medics yeah. and lawyers and to run the country. I just wrote my schooling off me after the, the yeah. I wrote it off, thought right, because I moved school you see, I moved school sort of halfway through my GCSE, so I just wrote it off. I did alright, but I could have done a lot better, oh, I think I was just uh, clever enough to realise that it bored me, <laughs> I was just, mm. you know, I was just, I knew I could do things. Um, of course I did well in English and maths, not, not maths, English and maths. <laughs> He's well in English and maths, he didn't do well in maths because you're useless at maths, we are as, we are, we are as good as each I'm, other. It's not that I'm useless, it's just that I can't, I can't stand it. It's just, I'm not useless, it's just, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I blame my teachers, it's all my teachers' fault. Yeah. But you know, growing up, those kind of feelings where you think you're a success or a failure, they're like so manifested in most people's experience. Like, 
when young people get in touch with me, and I get a lot of young people getting in touch with me, and I love it, I love young people getting in touch with me, they've always got those same concerns. The concerns are, am I going to fail? Mm. What mm. is it to be good enough? What if I don't achieve? There's this idea that there's this set of standards and rules in your life that are right or wrong, and if you go off track, or if you go off center, then you ruin your life. And when I was a kid, nobody said to me at any point, this isn't true. Everybody mm. made out that if I didn't get my GCSEs, that I was a write-off. I can remember being told basically by everybody that if you don't get these, you are over. And even though I really struggled at school because I was just so unhappy and I just wanted to go and play pool with my older friends, the chance there was that if somebody had actually just said to me, this isn't true, actually if you screw up, there's always another go, there's always another chance, my anxiety level would have been so much more reduced and I'd have done so much better because I wouldn't have had that fear. Yeah. But instead I was constantly thinking, shit, this is it, it's over, the game's over. And it was such a myth. And then at the end of that one, actually, I didn't do amazingly, but I did okay. And I realised that actually there's always a B route or a C route. That that's one of the key lessons that I've taught our boys mm. because I don't want either of them to ever worry. Like last night when Tide came home, so I've got we've got two boys. We've got Tide who's you know teenager and Evan who's just about to be a teenager, and they are really great kids. We're just going to go on about them quite a lot in this because they're our entry as well into what it's like to be a young person today. Mm -hmm. But they're really, really great kids. But yesterday he came home and he hadn't done great in one of his biology tests. Now he's really good at science, but whatever, he'd had a bad day. And he started to get really upset about it. And I just said to him, you know what? You don't need to get upset about this because you've got complete power over it. This isn't something you need to concern yourself with. You can always relearn it. There's not a problem. Just yeah. take the control back. I never had anybody to say that to me. It was like, the world will end. You will be a failure. Yeah. It will be over. Yeah, it felt like that with, with uh, my schooling. But I knew from, from quite an early age what <clears throat> I wanted to go to art college. Mm, you are. So my, 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 you know, look at, I was quite lucky actually. When I, when I left school, I, I didn't get, do that well. And, you know, I was a bit of, I think I was a bit of a rebel really. You know, it was, you know, I was getting involved in things which were, Let's say a little bit more, to be a bit more streetwise with. But the arts, I was always an artist, and, and this a course came up, which was like you normally have to go and do uh, A levels to get on this this graphic designs course. But they, they did a test where they let school leavers come straight into the art college. So uh, and it was graphic design, and we did that. Um, so that was good then, and I spent you know a good 10, 15 years just. I think I say par partying. So, you know, I mean, going back to the, the cell phone, the, the smartphone things, you know, if, if my God, the, the parties I would have been able to put on <laughs> if I had one of these in my hand. Whereas <clears throat> growing up, all my parties, I used to have parties, all my parties were. You still got thousands of people to Oh, absolutely, yeah. Beaches, but imagine if I had one of these, I'd have been like, I'd have been running the warehouse project now. You'd have been arrested. That's what would have happened. Yeah, well, You'd have been you. arrested. Yeah. <laughs> we can track exactly who's arranged this. A complete disaster of a Facebook, party. Facebook. <laughs> Mr. Ah, Peter Smith. Yeah, him, yes. <laughs> him again. Oh. Do you know what else I would have liked um, somebody to tell me when I was younger? I'd have liked them to tell me that it really doesn't matter what you do as long as you like yourself doing it. Like, 
it really doesn't matter. So yeah. you don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. That is one of the biggest anxiety provokers, isn't it? Yeah. You think about, you've talked about this, you said that when you were younger, you used to like sit in the bath after you had like a major party weekend and were like on Suicide Tuesday. And you would imagine that everybody else was having a better time, that everybody else's life was better, that your life was just stuck, that you weren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the most depressing concepts, isn't it? The idea that somehow everybody else is getting ahead of you and that you're just treading water and you're just making a mess of your life. Yeah, yeah, it, that's what I, I mean, that was just in my, my head. Um, so, I mean, it leads into the sort of the social media element, doesn't it, really? If, if, imagine what it's like now for young people who are thinking that, but seeing it yeah. in every single oh person's gosh. thread and profile that their lives are amazing. Oh my and, you know, it's like, I keep looking at mine, I'm like, my God, everybody, I mean, New Year just gone. Oscar speeches. Everybody was put, pulling out Oscar speeches, like. The, what is the, that about? And I was thinking, oh, wow, everybody's doing so well. Like, you know, it's, it's, it was, which is brilliant if they are, but I don't think they are. See, I just look at them and think it's bullshit. Yeah, it is bullshit. I literally, whenever I see, I get to the third sentence and I'm like, oh, piss off, <laughs> you know. I just want to take this moment to say that 2017, wow, what a year. There's been highs, there's been lows, there's been good times, there's been bad. There's Giggles. been making friends, there's been bubbles. Mm. There's been... Giggles. Oh, and I'm done. I'm literally, I'm like, I, I, you, who, why? Why are you doing this? Why are we on stage listening to you? But you know, then, then, I was watching, you see, sorry, this is completely going off track, but then I was watching the Academy. You know, just like gather some videos from it. And again, you know, when the actors get up and give thanks, I'm like, I'd just get up and I'd be like, right, excellent, I've been acting. I'm an actor, yeah. I've done a mega film. Oh my god. I, I did what I tried my hardest and I got, I've done really well, so thanks. And then I get off. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. I literally cannot bear it. Mm. It's like every A-lister thinks that they're a political guru and a founding mover of the feminist movement right now and it's just killing me. Oh, it sounds like a lot of DJs that suddenly think that DJs, they're spiritual. Well, you know, yeah. Pete's a DJ, so he knows. Not a DJ like, oh, when I say that, you get upset, don't you? Because you think people think you're doing weddings and bands. That's how I started. Yeah. You should pull out the best 70s wedding yeah, vibes. Bit of folk. Oh, bit of absolutely. Folk. We'll bring it into my yeah, realm. Pay the, way, pay, the, pay the bills. But you know, that kind of you know, mentality, you're right, that narcissism mentality at the moment. I think you're right, so hard for kids. Could you imagine being 15 years old? You know, let's be honest, at 15, yeah, you are bright, you're articulate, you know who you are, I don't care what adults say about, you know, you see people talking about young people like they're a completely different generation, belief system, understanding of who they are, and they've almost been not formed yet. Just rubbish. When I was 15, like most 15 year olds, you know who you are. Yeah, you're formed and you're forming and you're growing and you're learning and there's loads to do, but that's what happens all the way through your life. And I'm doing that now. Mm. I'm nowhere near what I was 10 years ago and I'll be different in 10 years time and all of that. But at 15 years of age, I bloody well knew what I felt and thought, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I really used to piss me off that adults would look at me and treat me like I was a lesser being. But if you then volumize what you've just said and you're having all of those anxieties and insecurities and in our case, you're failing in school. And then you're looking at pictures of the frigging rich kids of Instagram. Again, mm. I don't want to kill anyone, but you know in your head where you just imagine doing things, I deep fry them. 
I batter them. Do you know, I literally get them in dipped in batter, batter them. There you go. Rich kids of Instagram temper. You know, from where I'm originally from, uh, you know, Middlesbrough, Saltburg, batter. Means beat up. Yeah. I know what batter yeah, means. Yeah, what a batter you I know, I know all that. I'm <laughs> oh. saying I literally, though, I want well, to actually... dip them in flour and get batter, and I want to tempura them. Like you get in restaurants with veggies deep in a dip with chilli. I wouldn't eat them though. But the point is, that's the way it provokes me because it's so unfair. I wasn't actually thinking, you know, that you were going to eat them as well. No, I wasn't going to eat them. If people wanted to eat them, if I had deep fried them, that'd be an option. But we're going into the realms of ridiculous now. We're not going to deep fry them, and I'm not going to be a rock star. <laughs> we don't need to worry about what genre I'm going to cover. But the point is that for those kids who are looking into that, for our kids. You know, for my boys, I want my boys at 15 and 13 to be going out building dens. Mm. I want them to be having fun. I want them to be laughing. And don't get me wrong, we're lucky, aren't we? Because our kids are pretty optimistic. You know, they have moments, but they are no, pretty, they are, yeah. pretty optimistic kids. And it worries me that one day that rug is going to get pulled from under them. But even mm. they say that they feel that pressure. They that, do? You yeah. know, I mean, Ty, my eldest, like, let's be honest, all he wants to do is be six foot two. It's an obsession, isn't it? It's an well, obsession. So we were listening to something on the radio this morning about that. I think it's Japanese, or I think it's Japanese uh, astronauts just come back, and he told, he said that he's grew, he's grown nine centimeters from being in space. No way. The time was like, we're going to go to space. Uh, turns out it's only two centimeters, but he still grew two centimeters. Wait a minute, what's happened to the other seven centimeters? I just lied. He lied. Yeah, he had his, had his seven on. But when I did the tests on him and I measured him, it was only two centimetres. But he's still grown two centimetres in space. I'm more worried that an astronaut who's managed to go wherever he's gone, where no man has gone before, feels the need, in spite of being that successful, to add seven centimetres to a nine centimetres suggestion. I can empathise. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. Because you went... I'm six foot two. You, went, you, you told me when we first started dating that you were 5'11". And I knew you weren't 5'11". But... I didn't feel that it was fair because I knew that you weren't lying to me. I knew that you genuinely thought you were 5'11". And I can still remember your face when you walked in to the offices and were like, I'm pretty devastated. I've just found out I'm 5'9 and a half. <laughs> and everyone nice. else, everyone else was like, yeah, yeah, we all know that. And you were just like, you couldn't believe it. The nurse lied. <laughs> Yeah, tell us something we don't know. We've been seeing you every day for the last 10 years. Oh, Dad. Yo, it's a funny one though, isn't it, with life? Because you kind of want people to shine a light on the answers. And often people are so busy worrying about their own questions mm. that even when actually we have the potential to answer each other's questions, because often that's the way it goes, we are so torn with our own problems that we're not looking at everybody else's solutions that could actually eventuate in our solutions yeah i really kind of want to explore that in these podcasts that we're doing just to start exploring the fact that whilst nobody knows what they're doing or where they're going really although obviously brain surgeons definitely are qualified to do the jobs they're doing but you know as far as on an emotional existential level what are we here for why are we doing this journey? What can we gain from it? How can we feel better about it? And how can we share the journey so that each of us feel a little bit less lonely? Because mm. I think that like internal loneliness is a big deal. I think that a lot of us are living lives surrounded by people that we love, but we're still really, really shit scared. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. You know? And I can own that. You know, that feeling that I say to you sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I've just got that anxiety in the pit of my stomach. And even though I'm getting rid of it, 
like after the first or second cup of coffee and I can kind of put it back in its place it's there as like a human condition yeah. that we have these feelings and that we're always aware that there is something around the corner that could just slap us in the face and yeah. that we could experience loss, for example. So I kind of want to explore all of those things. It's that feeling of where you don't feel like the night's been long enough. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like the holes going to sink into it. And yeah. you know, you know, there must be so many people that feel like that and then they get out of bed and make themselves move the yeah. motivation side of things. So. It's funny that just getting um, into that habit of moving and just getting up and doing stuff, you know, because it really does help you to move forward in whatever situation you are. Yeah. I guess, I guess for some people, you know, going to sleep with the, with the dreams and things, it's like an alternate reality, isn't it? You know, and mm. you know, obviously some people dream a lot more than other people. But that's, I've experienced that where I felt like the dreams have sometimes been better than wanting to wake up. You know, and it's just like wow, you know, and yeah, it's um, going off, off subject with it, but it's yeah, it's uh, you know, yeah, you do have some wild dreams. You dream that aliens do. taking you and start screaming hysterically and have to calm you down. Oh, I've had adventure dreams. I have what people call night terrors, don't you? I'm not convinced I'm not being taken, so... Oh, you think you're being abducted <clears throat> by aliens, don't you? Mm. That seems rational. This is like an obvious suggestion. <laughs> oh, it'll be aliens. That'll be it. Couldn't, I could, couldn't, I could just be, couldn't just be sleep paralysis, which is a known condition. Yeah. It's probably actually more likely to be aliens. Yeah. yeah. But they just leave everybody else and nobody else sees them, but fine. Maybe we can get some gel about that. Maybe we can. Maybe you two can kind of talk about that irrational belief yeah. system and I'll just sit and shake my head. Yeah. I'm not being hypnotised though, so... Oh, maybe that's another one oh, we could do. Yeah. The podcast where Pete gets hypnotised. I want to be regressed. And then you can see afterwards how it was. Well, see? What are they going to like? Well, oh, you mean it's just it. me? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought <laughs> you meant like put things in my brain and see what happened, you know. That'd be amazing. Especially my flying dreams. Oh. Wow! So I hope today that we've started to introduce you a little bit into what this is going to be about. Obviously, we're going to freestyle it because we don't really know where we're going. That's probably why we're doing this. Absolutely. We think, well, if we don't know where we're going and where we do, what we're doing and where we're going, we may as well invite other people to go on that journey with us. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some fun people. Fun along around. the way. We'll have some fun along the way. Have some fun along the way. And I'm sure that you've all figured it out, but... Pete is actually my long-suffering husband. Oh yeah, not just some random you just pulled in off the street, the gardener yeah. or something. I mean, although I am gonna, yeah. We've got a big garden outside. Yeah, I've got my hands full. So. <laughs> We've got a very, very ropey garden right now that needs a lot I'm of tending to. I'm at that age where I'm gonna start growing vegetables, so. We're gonna do yeah. the good life, you know. You might not have seen that years ago, but it was a good series. We're going to try it. We're going to try to become more sustained in our living. So join us on that journey as well. I kill cacti. I literally can count the one plant that can survive essentially deserts. That's right. Cactus is dying under my care. So stay tuned for the disasters that will happen when we try to tend to an actual garden. <laughs> anyway, that in mind. And to be honest as well, just to let you know that Pete's lying if he's giving you any suggestion that he's any good at growing things. Don't even go there. We thought about getting artificial plants for outside of our house just to make us look like we had green fingers when really we actually were buying plastic ones. That's how bad we are. Just wait, just watch this space. I want to honestly. I feel like Day of the Bloody Triffids. I just need more day, more hours in a day. <laughs> anyway, one of the things that we'd really like you to do is if you want to subscribe to the channel or the podcast, please do and please send in questions. One of the things that I want to do at the end of every podcast 
is actually to answer any problems of our listeners. So whatever your problem, big or small, no matter how old you are, whether it's dealing with relationships, sex, disability, whether it's dealing with personal self-esteem, confidence, anxiety, whether you've got a mental health illness, whatever your problem or concern, big or small, please get in touch with us. And at the end of every one of our sessions, we will answer them for you. Hope you've enjoyed it and make sure you tune in for the next.